you, you do a lot, so you talk a lot. And that's that's a great thing. You got something to say. Something to say. <laughs> All right, so we're live now. Hi, this is Valerie Leonard. I am the founder of Nonprofit Utopia. I want to say thank you so much for joining us, taking time out of your schedule. We have quite a lot to talk about as usual. And before I really get started or before we really get started into our conversation, I just want to give you a little bit of background material to let you know why we're here and, and share with you some of the innovative ways we're going to address the issue. So I'm just reading a little bit from an article from the National Center for Responsive Philanthropy. They studied 25 community foundations around the country, and they found that, quote, the combined targeted funding to Black communities is 1% of all community foundation funding. But at the same time, when you look at the total populations of all of these cities, the total Black population is 15%. And this really results in an underfunding of Black communities by $2 billion. And this is just you know, from these 25 community foundations. And there are many, many more foundations around the country. In May of 2020, Echoing Green and the Bridgespan Group published a report outlining barriers to re resources faced by Black leaders particularly Black female leaders. They found that even where the work targeted Black communities, Black-led organizations had 45% less revenue and had 91% less restricted net assets than white-led organizations. So when we talk about restricted net assets, unrestricted net assets, we're talking about cash that's more flexible, that's not necessarily tied to any one program. So if we don't do something about this issue, this situation is going to continue in the future. Our guests for today are Dwan Kia. He is the founder of Fabric Brands and Reven Fellows. Reven will join us later. He's the co-founder of the National Black Agenda Coalition. We're going to be talking about innovative approaches to improving equity in the philanthropic space. And we'll also hear about the latest developments at Fabric Impact House, Trek, NBAC, and ways real estate development and community organizing can be used to facilitate what we call comprehensive capacity building for nonprofits as well as small businesses. So we're going to be looking at some traditional ways but also some innovative and non-traditional ways of increasing impact for not only philanthropy, but impact investors. All right, so I wanna say thank you so much for joining us, Dewan. And I, and forgive me if I mispronounced your last name. Is it Key or Kia? It's Kia. Kia, it's Kia. Okay. all right. All right, so thank you so much for joining us. So. Before we get started, can you share a little bit of background about yourself and how you came to this space? Sure. Uh, thank you for having us. It's definitely our pleasure and, and an honor to be here on your show. <clears throat> My background is, you know, I grew up in 
urban urban America here, particularly Detroit. Grew up on East Side Detroit to um, two parents there and um, a pretty big family, but really similar to the experiences of a lot of kids that are in most major cities. And so, you know, we were real fortunate enough to have really good family values, uh, but more importantly, too, you know, hard work was one of those things that was instilled in, in, in me as a child, hard work and respecting your elders. And so those are two things that I carry with me to this day. <clears throat> and, um, you know, so that's what that was just kind of the foundation there. Um, definitely grew up on government assistance and all that stuff. I mean, it, that that was the upbringing, you know. And so just through the hard work um, and a lot of the favor, you know, I was able to kind of transition to Illinois where I came to college and, and played football in Southern Illinois. And that's what brought me to the state of Illinois. And I used to come to Illinois when I was younger. Uh, my uncle, um, Uncle Lenzo Kilpatrick, who's just turned 88, um, used to always have us over to his home over at 89th and Peoria. He had a building. And so during 4th of July, we would come over and see Chicago. But that's all I really knew of Chicago um, prior to going to going to Carbondale. And so from Carbondale, I transitioned up to Springfield, Illinois, <clears throat> got involved in government through the political science department at SIU. They had an internship in Springfield. And so I took that and figured I would do that as, as a way of transition away from sports and then see where things will go. And so I've kind of been in that whole space of government relations, public affairs um, since 2005. And, and it's been really enlightening to really learn about programming, particularly around um, government. And my, and my start was at education. And so you really understand, you know, how programs are developed, you know, how they are supporting different communities and why they're created. And so that really, I would say, helped a lot of the efforts that, you know, we started here when Israel, um, Madonna J, former retired bears, let me know that there was just a lot of pent up money on the sideline for philanthropy and that, you know, there needs to be something done about it. And so the brother had the vision to to really say, look, let's let's bring these people under one roof. Um, and more importantly, let's create an impact house. So that's what really kind of birthed the Fabric Impact House. It was through the vision of being around philanthropy with his experience and background, and then also understanding programming that made sense to streamline the process for how giving occurs, um, but more importantly, bringing everyone in with the ability to collaborate and target individual causes or individual focuses. And so, you know, we, we, we were pretty excited about how everything came together. Um, and so March 1st of 2020 was the grand opening of the Fabric Impact House. Um, and at the Fabric Impact House, we have a mix of what we call our, our residents, and then we have our access members. And so the residents at the Impact House are our, um, organizations and foundations that actually take up and occupy office space there. Um, the access members are folks that are unable to occupy office space because we don't have any more <laughs> um, <laughs> to accommodate the folks that want to come in. And the goal ultimately is to, you know, really set the stage for how we bring philanthropy to communities in a different way. Um, and more importantly, also create an opportunity in the vessel for government to look at how they give out grants and programming as well um, through a partner that is very, very accountable, um, organized and have the ability to make sure that there's real impact behind taxpayers' dollars that are being spent or even corporations giving dollars that are being spent uh, because of our connectivity to organizations at the ground level 
and and also other folks and masterminds such as Brother Reuben Fellows who joined, who's been evaluating and dealing with a lot of different organizations, you know, not just in Chicago, but across this country. You know, so being able to tag team and, and, and know how and who people are and evaluating whether they're doing real work or not um, is a big part of the makeup of our entire team and our partners within you know, the Fabric Brands and the Fabric Impact House and uh, obviously upcoming Trek approach as well. So I'll kind of pause and turn it back over to you, Ms. Leonard. Okay, sure, sure. And call me Valerie. Thank you. You're so <laughs> polite. You you do have strong family values. I, I like that. <laughs> All righty, Reuben, thank you so much for joining us. Um, can you give us a little bit of your background and some of the work that you're doing with the Black Agenda? Well, uh, thank you, Valerie. I appreciate the opportunity and uh, always interesting to be on the call with Brother DeWan. Uh, we develop a good one-two punch, so whenever we can com combine our efforts together to change the community, I'm always honored, so I'm glad you feel honored to bring us on your show. Uh, that's an honor itself. Uh, but I, uh, my name is Reven Fellows, and i um, I'm just a servant in the community. Uh, I know you through uh, 15 years at Family Focus Lawndale. Yeah. I watch you do the work. I was working with teen pregnancy gang prevention, first time mom, second time mom, grandparents, raising grandchildren, and community organizing. I can say my experience on the West Side uh, with social service and that network was very powerful in teaching me more organizing and um, the non for profit industry. But I moved on from there to do some things. I left and I started my own program called Books Over Balls, uh, where we put over 100 black boys in college with no government funding, using my skill as a former teacher and an activist and social service to do wraparound service. So if I can get in that house with the family, and because I have a background in social service education and resources and poli political um, uh, agents, I can be able to get resources for families. So we've been successful with that, using the wraparound services and being able to put young men in school by sustaining the family and using basketball is just the carrot. Basketball is the carrot. It's not the game. And so you must graduate. And then I moved on to and continue my work. But um, the National Black Agenda, which you mentioned, um, I've been doing over 40 years of research and study on every black agenda since the 1800s. Wow. All the way to Niagara Falls, uh, the Philadelphia meeting, uh, the Million Man March, uh, Gary, Indiana, first convenient, the second convenient when Minister Farrakhan spoke, and the third with Miss um, Freeman, who was the former mayor of Gary, who's now in WCP. So uh, also I've been instrumental when I was on the West, West Side. I just left a meeting with Mark Carter, and we and they were talking about solutions. I'm on camera. I'm good right here. Am I okay? Yeah. You're good. Okay. Yeah, so, so I... Um, was able to, uh, we, when I was over there, when they had the empowerment zone, and Mark, people don't know, Mark do a lot of research himself. So I learned about the Renaissance 2010, the empowerment zone, the 2020 plan, Metropolis 2030 plan, Liz MacArthur Foundation 2050 plan, and the 100-year Berman plan. So uh, I've read all those plans, and so a lot of my movement is based on being proactive, not reactive. And then we were blessed, Senator Owens out of Boston in 2004, he convened, actually he was a, he was birthed out of the first Gary convention and became a senator. And um, I had a chance to get my hand on his document. And that convention, he brought some of our brightest minds together, elect officials and collaborations and, and business. And so it was, it was Boston. There was a black agenda. So it was a couple of years later, I called him back and he said, um, you know, I've not been doing anything. So we were blessed for him to give us his blessing, give us his charter. 
So we don't have a regular black agenda. We got one from a senator that was birthed out of 71 that gave us the, the authorization to use his organization and take it to another. So since then, we've taken the black agenda that's been well received by black uh, uh, BCUs, uh, revolutionary groups all over. And we've been getting great reviews. And so I'm just honored to be able to have this document published by Gorman uh, Publishing Company, a black publisher, where he published the book. We got a hard copy paperback, but there's official black agenda, national black agenda consortium, which I'm the, I'm the architect and I'm the visionary of with Mr. James Hill, who's one of my elders. So I'm just excited. And so when I met Brother Dewan and what he was doing, I was invited by Patrick Young, who's part of my books over balls. They're working with Dewan, say, man, I want you to meet somebody. And they so I went down and met and I didn't know it was a meeting for me to me to come see if I want to be with them. I thought I was trying to figure out how I'm gonna get with them. So I ended up being, it's about you, brother. I was like, oh, okay. So my relationships and doing the community, and I really be honored that people would recommend me for my work I've been doing and especially with State Rail Ford, who I've been a great friend of for over 15 years. So uh, it's just an honor to be at the table and and then again, uh, see, uh, inviting you to be a part of this magnificent team. I mean, I'm sorry, black-nificent team. We ain't no more magnificent. We the black. <laughs> so in closing, I'll just let everybody know, you're talking to the self-proclaimed governor from Rainbow to Cicero on 79th Street, the new black-nificent mile. I am the governor. <laughs> and we have 13 new businesses with no government funds. And we invest in black investors, black contractors. So it's miles and miles of thriving black business. So I'm working forward for a magnificent call here. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. And Juan, if you're still there, thank you so much for stopping through. Juan is with the Black Pages Worldwide. So thank you so much for stopping through. All right. So Juan, uh, when we look at the fabric house, right, uh, we, we talked about community organizing, you know, which is something Reven is really good at. But you have organized several foundations and other folks that make investments, and you have brought them all under one roof called the fabric house. So what are some of the ways that they've been able to use that space to collaborate? And I realize that we're in the midst of a pandemic. And people may not necessarily be gathering as much, but you know, one of the main reasons why you created the space is so that they could be more efficient with their grant making as well as come together and be more innovative. So what are some of the things you're seeing since they've been there about a year or so now? Great question. And and I and I want to make sure I give credit to where it's due. Angelique Power and Israel are really um, the, the folks that convince these people to come on board. So I want to make sure that that is very, very clear. Um, and then I'll highlight some of the foundations and organizations real quick. So the Chicago Public Library Foundation, the Field Foundation of Illinois, United States Artists, the Woods Fund Chicago, the Alka and Aja Gupta Foundation, Public Good, Pillars, A Better Chicago, Forefront, Charles Tillman Cornerstone Foundation, Children First Fund, the Chicago Public Schools Foundation, wow. the Knight Family Foundation, the Academy Group, Margaret and Thomas Pritzker Family Foundation, the Margaret Pritzker Fund, Enrich Chicago, TAG, uh, which is the Technology Association Group, Strides for Peace, Arts Alliance Illinois. Those are all the organizations that are currently residents of the Impact House. And so, you know, the goal was understanding that there's power in collaboration. 
You know, you can get more done working together as a team versus just being individuals. And so when all of them came on board, there was the hope that, to your point, making them more efficient. But again, seeing how they can collect collectively collaborate to target their efforts to make a greater impact. And so the the um, the pandemic really was that first opportunity to showcase what that collaboration looked like. And so the leadership team, which kind of meets, you know, I would say biweekly or so, um, when they when we first moved in, the pandemic hit. So everyone moved in March 1st, 2020. That's when people started moving in. And all of a sudden we all got hit with a pandemic. So the thought was when we transitioned to virtual, how can we still help? How can we still give? And that was the, the aim of the leadership committee. And so from one phone call, each one of those organizations decided to chip in a nice chunk of money to the point that it raised $53 million from that one call from all those organizations. And that was the creation of the COVID uh, relief fund. And so, you know, that's that's really the power in, in collaborating and understanding that, hey, you know, when we bring our resources together, even if I only have two bucks or someone has 10 bucks or whatever, the more you continue to collaborate and bring in that pot, that pot gets bigger. And so the impact that they were able to make um, just during the COVID, you know, period, and you know, we're still in it, but just that initial impact where people were really hurting and needed help. Uh, we were able to help a lot of families, community organizations, give them support, um, as well as, you know, kids and other folks and artists. And so it was really, you know, a great show of force that we're looking to replicate when it comes to how we strategically, you know, assist those communities that you highlighted that are not getting their fair share of the philanthropic dollars that are out there. Getting 1% of the philanthropic dollars nationwide uh, when, you know, communities make up 15% of the population is, and, you're t- and you mentioned $2 billion that are still out there that, were, were th- that did not make its way to those communities. You know, I think that's what we're looking to do. Um, and we're looking to focus and see how we can play a role in, in making a dent in that. So, okay, awesome. Reven, are you there? We don't see your face, but are you still connected? Can you hear us? Can you see us? Okay. Um, okay. I think he's still there. He might have just went off camera and mute for a second. Yeah. Oh, I, uh, can you hear me now? Yes, sir. Okay. I think I. I I went off camera, then I came back on. I might be on two lines. Can you we, can we you can cancel you. me out of one? I can. I'm gonna cancel you out on the one that that we don't. Because uh, I lost this some kind of way. Um, Just hang up one of them. Yeah. Just a moment. That's not quite what I. But as I'm figuring this out, why don't you talk to us? Um, and my question to you is, you know, we, we've heard about what's going on in philanthropy, right? What is going on on the grassroots side? What are some of the ways that grassroots activists such as yourself can interact with foundations and other impact investors and come up with some ideas to make our communities more attractive. Well, uh, can you hear me? Yes, sir. Okay. So you hear me clear? You guys okay? Yeah, we can see you and hear you. Okay. So a couple of things. As I mentioned, the Black Nipson Mile, and you're talking about things to participate on organizing. We stood up Roland Davis and I, the Bob Biss Center, 
three and a half years ago. And we want to prove that we can take black investors and black contractors and build black communities without government funds. So we've done that successfully with 13 black businesses. So there's a model that we can take to the west side, Soul City Corridor, Malcolm Crawford, Lawndale, 16th Street. And we, we so we have a model that's been duplicated that works. Mm -hmm. Proof of concept. Then you also look at the opportunities uh, we just opened up our first, uh, well, not the first, but the largest black-owned beauty supply house on 89th and Ashland. So about a week ago, we was able to we was able to buy that from a Korean group that owned it, whoever, and we now open it up. So those are models that we use because black women spend a large amount of money with these Korean shops that don't respect them. And so the other piece is on the ground is working with the National Block Club University, Cyron Smith, and he's part of the fabric. Over 200 block, uh, uh, 20 block clubs where he's organized with seven days of living habits that we practice that becomes a culture that we've lost. So you're talking Monday, safety, Tuesday, health day, Wednesday, buy black, and on Friday, uh, check on seniors. So all those things are happening to be put in place uh, for us to change our mindset, our thinking, and control our narrative. Another thing I would suggest is the, the uh, uh, Southside Federal Credit Union. They've been there about 20 years on 54th and Wentworth. So we've lost most of our black banks. Seaway Bank, Bank is now has a white uh, company that owns the oldest black bank for a while that I grew up in Chatham. So we now have our own black credit union that we should be investing our money in because you become an owner of the credit union, not just a member of your bank. So those are some of the things in Black Wall Street Chicago, which I'm a co-founder of, and making 75th Street when Senator Trolley was in office. Um, Black Wall Street District had over 125 business between State Street to almost South Chicago. So I'm hoping I'm asking a question, but all of these type of things that we've been doing and I've been doing a grassroots level that enabled me when Dewan and the group called me to the table was their vision was to take what they had to the community. And because of my relationship, as you mentioned, organizing on the block with the block club business all those things create a new movement to bring economic stability and a culture change to stop the violence in our community. Okay, awesome, awesome. And one thing, if you could, the device that you're not using, if you can turn that off, that would be awesome. Um, and just as a follow-up, so you've been able to attract attention from impact investors and developers such as Duan, but how have you also been able to leverage, I would say, the social capital that you have and attract investors? Okay, Reven, can you hear me? Yes, I'm okay. here. Okay, all right, we, we can't okay. see you, but um, hold on. All right, are you there? And, and while we're waiting for you to come back, we do have a couple questions. Um, this is 
from Audrey Dunford. And Audrey, if you're here, um, let us know in the comment section so we know that we're talking to you when we respond and other people may have similar questions. Where can we find all of these things listed? So when you say all of these things listed, what exactly do you mean? Are you talking about the resources? Thank you, Audrey. Yes, Audrey is here. So are you talking about the resources, Audrey? Um, are you talking about funders? You know, just be a little bit more specific. And then you did have another question too. Can you talk more about the models? And I believe we're going to get into that uh, more in our discussion. But um, Duan, did you want to speak to, you know, one of the models, you know, the fabric house model you you're talking about and then you know you have a trek model and then you have some other models of which you are aware you know things that work and things that have not worked but but to audrey's question sure um information i think where you can get more resources we have different websites so the fabric impact house website is www.thefbrk.com so that's where you can go to get information and, and see everything that's happening there at the Impact House. And again, that model was about collaboration, um, partnership, and directing resources, you know, in a more strategic way to ensure that an impact is there. The other component of what that will do as well is sort of be a disruptor to these middle-level organizations that have been able to receive funding, do have these, you know, fancy grant writers you know, but don't necessarily do the work because they're not on the ground level, you know, that those organizations, you know, will be impacted by this, I believe, in some shape or form, um, you know, if they want to continue to be in the impactful space. Um, so that's that's the understanding of the impact house model. Um, the track model, which is sort of next in line, is the Technology Renewable Energy Command Center. That model is strictly on workforce development, um, skills training, job placement within the technology fields and renewable energy field, renewable energy space. And so, you know, the new modern day trades for us and for our folks is technology. Um, you know, it is it is the new way of life. That's where everything is headed. And then as you look at the efforts and the push around renewable energies, whether it be, you know, solar farms, um, wind farms, whatever it may be, you know, those things there are, are where things are headed in terms of the economy and the world globally. And so making sure that at least there is a place where our folks can be here to transition, those that do want to transition into that technology space or renewable energy space, um, the track will be there to train them at no charge, um, free to anyone that's in Cook County. And then the other piece is supporting businesses. So track will also will you know be there to support businesses providing you know, seed funding, seed grants for people that have ideas, whether you want to start an app or a new business and, and you just kind of need a need a jolt of money to try to push that thing forward. You know, we, we see that as, a, as an opportunity here to support uh, folks in that space as well, um, because the reality is we have to have a diverse space for our people um, to be able to do well, execute and grow their own ideas and their visions. And sometimes it takes a little bit of help financially from the philanthropic side, but then it also takes a place that is a known commodity or hub where people can access resources, access experience, knowledge, 
um, and support services in order to push forward with their dreams and with their goals. And so Trek really will embody that, uh, which is the kind of the second part of our, our triangle effort here and how we want to make sure that moving forward, uh, we have the ability to help and support communities that want it and people that want it. Okay, awesome. And Audrey was able to clarify what she meant. Um, she would like to know where we can find a list of the banks, the beauty supplies, Black Wall Street, and other resources for Black people to shop Black. Um, yes, there's a website called the Black Mall um, that I was just definitely turned on to where you can see all of the folks that are um, pretty much all the different Black businesses where you can buy any and everything. Um, so I know that's one website. Valerie, you can definitely chime in and share if you have any others. Yeah, we had someone, um, the owner of the Black Pages. You know, so you've got the Black Pages, and I'm not sure what their website is, but they're definitely on Facebook, and you can join there. And what I can do, Audrey, you're a member of the Nonprofit Utopia community. I can also make sure I post some links into that community you know, by the end of the day um, that you can share. And if there's anybody in our listening audience, please feel free. Uh, if you're listening, share any resources, any links to resources where people who are interested, they can find out where they can shop Black, buy, buy Black, invest Black, right? So, and that's really what I like about working with Dewan. He has such a different view of, philanthropy and investment, you know, it's not so much just relying on grants. I, I think that's kind of important, but he's looking for more self-sufficiency. So his models are going to help not only improve the capacity of Black businesses and Black organizations, but he's also going to move them toward greater self-sufficiency. And you don't want to talk about it in a welfare model, but I think that's been our problem as Black people. We've been approaching business in pretty much the same way that we approach, you know, nonprofit, and I, I don't even say nonprofit investment, it's more or less nonprofit charity. And he's here to help rewrite the narrative and make sure that we're definitely investing. And Reven, I know that um, you got cut off, but yeah. was yeah, we can hear you, we can see you. Um, she had okay. questions about where we might find this information written out somewhere. You know, where can we find out more information about Black banks, beauty supplies, stores? Because you, you did mention the Black-owned beauty supply store, Black Wall Street. Mm -hmm other resources. So I did promise her a link to some of those resources, but while we mm -hmm. have you here, if you can mention a couple places she might consider looking up herself, you know, like where can we find mm -hmm. out more about the Black Agenda, etc. So the National Black Agenda Consortium.org, National Black Agenda Consortium.org would be the first for the Black Agenda. The other would be Southside Federal Credit Union, 54th and Wentworth. Mr. Greg Brown is the president. He's formerly president of, of the, um, um, the, old, the um, Illinois Federal Savings Bank. And he became the president of that about uh, the credit union maybe about 15 years, 20 years ago. Uh, the other is um, 
the Bop Biz Center, B-O-P, Bop Biz Center. Um, we have a website, thebopbizcenter.com, and then you'll see what we've been doing with our business model in terms of setting these incubators up. And uh, the other piece is... Um, Reven? Okay, it looks like Reven might be... Okay, I'm sorry, I went out. Can you see me? I'm sorry. Okay, yes. uh, the other one would be the... Um, can you guys hear me? Yes. Sir. Yes. Can you hear me? Yes. Hello? Can yeah, you hear can me? Hear you. Yeah. I can't hear you guys. Okay. Uh, hold on one second. Um, I'm, I'm in the library having technical difficulties. But um, the other one would be the um, yeah, Southside Federal Credit Union. Uh, you can Google that. And then the beauty salon is called Solo. S-O-L-O. Solo. It's on 90, 89th and Ashland. Uh, when you Google it, you'll see that there's uh, two. One on Cottage Grove, but the one you're looking for is the newest one. This is largest one. It's on 89th uh, in Ashland. So if you put that into your engine, you should be able to find Solo Beauty Salon uh, Supply Office. And then what was the other? Uh, uh, then you also use Malcolm Crawford and uh, the well, you can get that. Uh, you know, Malcolm has the Soul City Corridor from from Austin all the way down to Laramie, almost to Cicero, where they're buying up all the property and putting businesses there. So we have several economic development business models that we can use. And if not, you can uh, give them my number and reach out to me. I can get more detail to it. I have no problem with that. You can reach me, uh, Reven Fellows, at 773-969-9644. And uh, Revenfellows at yahoo.com. That's my first and last name, Revenfellows at yahoo.com, so I can get more extensions. I'm sorry I'm in a bad location. I was, I'm at the library, but I guess we're not paying enough money for our libraries. <laughs> is, that, is that the Woodruff Library? Not, not Woodruff, um, Woodson. I'm thinking, I'm thinking about Atlanta. Are you in the Woodson Library? Is that Carter G. Woodson? Okay, you <laughs> you can't hear me. All right, never mind. Um, so, Dewan, what are some of the ways that you guys have come to <laughs> come together? You know, what are some of the things you've done to work together in terms of advocacy and other economic development for small businesses and building capacity for nonprofits? Um, I mean, there's a lot, <laughs> but we can start off with the advocacy piece. I know we went down to Springfield uh, with the blessing and support of Deputy Majority Leader Emo Jones III, as well as State Representative LaShawn Ford, pushing forward to you know, receive a state appropriation for the work that we're doing, something that's a little bit separate, um, something that is definitely will be able to, to reach and touch all the organizations, businesses, and people and families um, that are in our pipeline and that we work with and support. And so we we made that move there. You know, we had an opportunity to really have about a good two and a half hour meeting with Congressman Danny Davis, you know, who's offered his office of support for the work that we're doing at the Impact House and beyond, especially with Trent coming up as well. And so we're planning to continue those advocacy efforts with getting support um, and, and tapping into those resources, again, public resources and also private. Um, Cook, County, Cook County Commissioner Dennis Deer also is going to be helping to, 
ensure that we can get some resources to ensure that they make it down to the ground level. And so those are the three levels that we really have kind of focused on. And I really even say focused on it, just we kind of fell into it because of relationships. And so from an advocacy perspective and lens, you know, that's how we're looking to tap into our taxpayers' dollars and public dollars to be able to properly redirect them to ensure that they have the impact that's needed uh, within the communities that we're affiliated with. Um, for, I don't know, probably at least 10 years, if not more, you know, we've been doing um, job placement and job training and technology training within different schools in CPS and throughout the state. Um, and then we also have some synergy, another affiliate of ours that we do a lot of the training with around photovoltaics, which is solar panels and, and those things and around renewable energies and geothermal. And so we, we really have been training a lot of the youth um, in the city. I think we've touched over, I would say, about 2,000 youth um, between our Urban Tech Academy programs and then also synergy programs uh, where we're training around technology. Uh, we've also taken kids to um, conferences, you know, for their first time in tech conferences here that were in Chicago. Um, I think we also recently just expanded and was doing work also in the Latino community. We partnered with Burrowin Schools um, to teach automation, coding hardware, and drone technology with that school district over the summer. So we've been doing a lot of work on the ground in various affiliate companies of ours or subsidiaries, however you want to call them. Um, that's been geared towards exposing our, our, our kids and our young people um, to new opportunities in the technology field um, and then also renewable energy field, but more importantly too, encouraging them entrepreneurship and, and, and walking them through various training programs. And so that's, that's some of the work that's been happening uh, for, for a length of time now. And there's other organizations I do want to highlight that have been doing the same type of work in different parts of the city. They've been doing it as well. But I think what's unique about what we're focusing on is kind of uniting under um, one, one location, so to speak, um, for us to really be a good vessel to continue to help streamline some of the work that's, that's been done. So being able to point to organizations in Inglewood or Auburn Gresham or Roseland or Lawndale, you know, being a place where it's a connecting agent is what we're really focusing on. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Reven, we hear you. Can you hear us? Okay. Here's Reven. Okay. Uh, it looks like we have lost him temporarily. I'm sure he'll come back. And I know how that technology can be with the library. Been there, done that. Um, so, Dwan, one of the arguments people make, you know, some of the larger investors, say the larger multi-billion dollar banks and whatnot, they like to say that they don't want to invest in our communities because one, it's a higher risk. And two, they might not get quite as high a return on their investment that's either financially or even looking at the social impact. You know, sometimes they think that our problems are so huge that, you know, the problem is insurmountable and why bother? What would your response be to um, investors with those types of attitudes, thinking that, you know, it's not worth the investment in our community? Well, I, number one, I would, you know, I would say we're, we're here to help kind of get rid of that myth and that theory, um, you know, because of the the type of challenges that have been in urban communities, particularly black communities uh, for decades um, because of intentional disinvestment or intentional relocating folks. 
you know, and, and really breaking up structures that were there, you know, it's, it's made a little bit more challenging when you talk about coming into ready-made communities, ready-made places to actually do business. And so, you know, it's, it's, it's not hard, it's not challenging. It just requires, number one, the knowledge. It requires the connectivity to the community, you know, but the investment opportunities are, in my opinion, pretty strong in black communities. Um, you know, African-Americans and, and black folks nationwide, we are the largest consumer. We spend the most money, you know, so it's not that the money isn't there or the money isn't being spent from the citizens in these neighborhoods. I think one of the things that I have heard is a challenge with security, uh, where you have to kind of factor in a security budget when you come into those communities. And I think that's the case with any, with any community. You always have to think about ways to keep consumers and the community safe when you're doing business. I think one of the challenges that also has been there is, you know, the efforts around how do you manage, you know, the relationship between the police and the community. Those probably have presented more of challenges from businesses uh, when they're evaluating where they want to invest and do work. Um, and so it's, 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 you know, the challenges are what they are and, and no one's going to sugarcoat them. But I think the reality is if you want to invest in um, communities that are spending the most resources, if you want to invest in communities where most of these workers tend to be frontline workers, and we saw that during the pandemic, most folks in black communities were the ones that were considered um, the essential workers. And so it's not as if, you know, the, the, the workforce isn't there and the dollar isn't there. It just comes down to is there is there a will or is there the will for folks to look at things differently and find the right people to partner with? You know, we heard from the congressman office that BMO Harris um, highlighted or stated that they couldn't find any um, black organizations to partner with around philanthropic and all that stuff. And it was like, so are you living under a rock? <laughs> or who are you connected to? You know, and, and, and that's part of the challenge. And that's what I think we're we're hopeful that we can address, you know, with the impact house model is being able to connect large corporations and, and organizations and even and wealthy folks who do want to give but don't live in the communities that need the money um, and being that bridge to properly evaluate, you know, whether this is actually a good investment or whether these people are actually going to do the work and not take the money and go somewhere else. You know, and I think there's work that also needs to be done, uh, you know, with some of our elected officials as well. You know, being able to make sure that they, you know, do a really good job of identifying um, organizations that are doing good work is, is critical to it as well. I think it takes a collective and a community approach, you know, to ensuring that we change the narrative on how and in the ways that you can invest in the black community. Um, but it's possible. It's there. And that's that's one of the reasons why a lot of business is there. I mean, you look at Chase. Let's just take Chase Bank, for example. You know, Chase is national bank, national corporation. They have a lot of branches, a lot of retail branches within black communities nationwide. That should tell people something in itself. I don't think they're going to set up banks or banking locations, you know, in communities where there is no opportunity and there are no people with money or cash. You know, so, you know, those banks are there because people are, are moving and making transactions happening, you know, from a checking account standpoint, when they work, they place their money there. And I think what we haven't seen is that um, the development of the business side of the community, the black community, particularly, and, and that relationship and a critical relationship that it will play with a financial institution to continue to support. And then also those wraparound high level business concierge services to help bridge the gap. 
and make a pathway easier for people to come in and do business and stay in business uh, within these communities. Okay, awesome, awesome. And we've got another question for Audrey. And Audrey, thank you so much for these questions. Um, who have you worked with in North Lawndale? Um, I would have to pull up our list of organizations, um, you know, but we, we've really worked through former Commissioner Robert Steele and we're working with um, Cook County Commissioner um, Dennis Deer. And, and really his point person, David Evers, is who we defer to when it comes to organizations. I do have a list, um, but I just don't have it in front of me right now in terms of some of the organizations that have been granted money for residents within the Impact House. Um, but Cook County Commissioner Dennis Deer um, and LaShawn Ford are the two folks that we really have been working with when it comes to you know, our efforts in the West Side. Um, so I know that might not be the answer that you were looking for, but that's that's kind of where, um, you know, what I could provide at this particular moment. Okay. All righty. And I know Reven is still working through some technical difficulties. Can you hear me, Valerie? Um, I can yes, hear you. Yes, we can hear you. Okay. okay. Now, I'll just, I want to add to that. Uh, one of the things that, again, why Fabric brought me on board, you know, I have 15 years in Lawndale. Mm -hmm. At one time, so we're going to be collaborating with Wright College and Fabric House and Impact, and and we're going to be working with State Rep Ford in his district in uh, rejuvenating uh, the energy of Austin Academy that used to be a manufacturing business school, and they've taken that from them and they've sucked it out through all charter schools and left the students there that 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 need help and hope. So we're going over in that school with all of our technology, our solar, our training, our um, STEM and robotics programs to help. And then we're going to be working closely with uh, Dr. Vessel, uh, Carolyn Vessel of I Am Able, who's over the social, uh, uh, the social uh, emotional stuff dealing with our communities. And so we're going to be working with them and a host of others that I'm connected to in Lawndale all the way to Austin. So uh, we're, we're bidding on the ground. Dennis Deer is part of us with the black male uh, initiative that we're doing on the social status of black males or we're targeting different communities where black boys are being affected. You know, Congressman Davis, that's one of his big things is black boys and, and, and fathers. So we're gonna be hitting the ground and continue to come in Londale. And then of course we reached out to you, Valerie. So we pouring into Londale right now as we speak uh, and uh, who's gonna be collaborative partners in this endeavor. So we're excited about it. Okay, it's awesome, it's awesome. And while I have you here, um, you have worked with a number of strategies on the ground, you know, different black agendas here and there and over yonder. You've seen what works and you've seen what hasn't worked, Reven. What are some of the methods that you see are successful? And then can you share with us also some things that people have made mistakes on, you know, and I'm talking about from the grassroots being able to attract resources to the community well what people don't know about me is i've been that information research 
resource for everybody in the whole state of Illinois. So I used to go to a thousand meetings a day, a week, and I would come back and give it to the right people because people can't go to all the meetings and they're tired of going to meetings. So I took the opposite approach. I'm going to every meeting looking for the three or four people that don't want to be at the meeting. Those are action doers. So when I had the 2020 plan that I discovered, I had a town hall meeting where we gave out over 200 copies. Then I found about the 2040. So I gathered the people. So what I found out through all these black agendas and my endeavor was I was they didn't have somebody that could breathe it from the table to the streets and get it to the right people instead of the usual suspects and usual organizations. So what I've spent my life and 40 years of doing is getting information, getting to the right people that would get it. And so what I found out, what we did was took the black agenda and I began to breathe it by the grace of God. I mean, God blessing me to do the work is I took it to 79th Street and we breathed 13 new black businesses in less than two and a half years. I wow. took it to 75th Street, Black Wall Street. I took it to Blacks and Green, which I'm a former member, I'm a founder of with Naomi Davis, Sustainable Community, all the way to Black Oaks Farm, all the way to me and Dewan getting together around a Black agenda to connect Africa with African-Americans that we did at his place with a fundraiser with Dr. Margaret Clean, the Global Institute. So to, to put my books over balls, basketball, violence prevention balls as a model. So what I've been doing is what I found out with these agendas would have been Urban League, if they did, they couldn't do it like Reven. I'm breathing the Black agenda into the whole city of Chicago, and I'm blessed to have a great state representative, LaShawn K. Ford, who's unapologetically Black, and we've been a team for 14 years, so the African American Employment Plan, which you was a great inspiration to us to get in uh, 20, 2014, there's a bill to have Black people through CMS not multicultural, but black people to be hired for state government. So everything that I've been involved in from black farmers to sustainable communities, to family focus, to your relationship and to the National Block Club, it's a breathing document of proof of concept. And we finna change the game with Fabric House. Okay. So, so now that we know what works, and I think I'm hearing what works is you have to not only create the document, but it needs to live within the people who are not only creating it, but doing the work on the ground. That, that sounds like one of the winning strategies. And, also, and if, if I can say, if I can say the block agenda is, it's a, it's a, it's not a, uh, a I'll say elitist type read is it's in black pages is in bold type. So the block club university or block club could take it to the elect official. They all don't stay rep say, these are some of the things the black agenda. Are you on this? And if you're not on this, we ain't on you. So we have a document because it came from the streets to the suites. It's, it's in it just basic form. It ain't got no high. You ain't got to be have a high education. You can just see simplified. And you go say, I don't know about politics, but the show look black to me. And we're looking for some black nips and stuff out you. Alderman, state rep, and federal agents. That's what we're doing. Okay. So it sounds like accountability is another um, issue. Uh, what doesn't work? You know, you have seen, I'm sure, 50 million plans that fail for every one that succeeds. What are some of the things that we do wrong on the grassroots level to keep from moving forward? Well, one of the one of the problems is, and Dewan solved it. Uh, what we're doing is monumental. Dewan understood that you can't do this without the people. We call it from the block to the boardroom, from the outhouse to the penthouse. We talk about we've done a terrible job of going after the people that do the work on a consistent basis without funding. Mm -hmm. 
And that's been the mi misinformation. It's classism. That is the problem. Mm -hmm. Our people have gotten so high up to they can't look down. And the churches play a major role in that on class, mm -hmm. middle class. We ain't got no class right now. We don't own a black grocery store to feed ourselves. We can't. We got 150 schools closed. We don't have no black banks. We don't we don't own nothing. We don't control nothing. We lost uh, 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 everything. South Sheen, Giant Giant. So we let class separate us from people at the bottom that we only as good as those who are the least of us and when the church comes back and the leaders come back and connect together grassroots with activism with economics then we have accountability for everybody in the village okay and Dewan, what are some of the lessons you've learned i mean you've had experience not only with real estate development and education but also policy and you know being a lobbyist you, you have seen a whole lot. What are some of the things that you see us doing right and what's what we're doing wrong, not only from the grassroots level, but even as practitioners in finance and educational policy? Well, I think that, you know, part of it is what Reven highlighted, right? There's that disconnect between the people and the elected officials and more importantly in policy. And so I've seen a lot of bills get passed, state and federal level, a lot of laws get passed, you know, but if they're not implemented, then what good are they? You know, but more importantly, too, if there isn't a direct funding source associated with supporting the implementation of a law, then again, what good is that law? You know, so under helping, really helping the, the people understand what is the purpose of government? You know, government is not here to save you. It's not, that is not government's job. Government is not here to teach your kids values. That is not government's job. <laughs> government is not here to ensure that you are employed. That is not government's job. And so we, we've, we've had a lot of stigmas that we've placed, or let me clarify that. There's been a lot of expectations placed on government and elected officials to do things that they are not designed to do. And so because folks have you know, kind of placed those expectations, then they get disappointed, which then takes them for being active in the process, which actually could be helpful in sharing resources and helping improve some policies. But if you choose not to be active because, you know, you're, you're feeling down, you're feeling sad because you felt that the government let you down or this elected official let you down, you know, then you really have to be properly reprogrammed and reeducated on what the role of government is in your life. Government does have the ability to impact all faucets of uh, people's daily lives. However, it still comes down to accountability. And that accountability starts, you know, at home. If you don't have accountability built in at home, then how can you then speak to your neighbor and try to hold them accountable for something that you're not willing to do yourself? You know, so it's 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 there's a lot of a lot of re-education, I would say, that needs to occur with understanding you know, from folks within our community who oh, I'm not voting because voting doesn't do anything or I, like that, that type of mentality. Those folks have to be properly educated and understanding what the nexus is between the people and elected officials. And then more importantly, there has to be support properly for folks that are doing the work. Um, I, we've seen a lot of um, programs, a lot of funding go to programs that don't work. We've seen a lot of money go to organizations that aren't doing the work or are utilizing those funds to, you know, kind of prop themselves up and then give pennies, so to speak, or a small portion of that funds to people that are doing the work. And so, you know, it's, it's one of those things that has to be a process of rebuilding the body. 
you know, we have what I consider, you know, the head, which tends to be, you know, politicians or people in position of power within, you know, companies, corporations, organizations. I consider that to be the head. But you got the head out there trying to pick up books, trying to move pieces, and they don't have anybody. They don't have anybody at all. They don't have any arms. They don't have any legs. They don't have any feet. And those legs, feet, and arms are the people, the people that actually do vote or can vote and can support their efforts to ensure that, you know, what they're looking to accomplish will, you know, will, will take place, will be successful, and it won't be a waste. So just really basic, basic education um, and knowledge of what government is, and then also, too, redirecting resources to places and policies and organizations and companies where it's actually doing the work and making a change. You know, because one of the things that we've we've heard a lot about and you'll continue to hear about it is how much we spend um, in terms of taxpayers dollars, state or even in some cases federal to house inmates, to house folks that are in prison, in jails, you know, for 16 ounces a week or whatever it is, an ounce a week, whatever. They they're house, you know, for what is considered low level crimes, but more importantly, is costing taxpayers down there twenty, thirty thousand dollars just to house those people, you know. And so you're talking about money that is not being properly redirected into the community to support the neighborhoods, to support the city governments, you know, support policing. You know, people have to understand, you know, the, the makeup of these things. And if they do, then I think we can stop with a lot of the, the finger pointing. We can stop with you know, a lot of the results and in investing in the system and approaches and practices that we've been investing in for 60 years or 70 years that hasn't produced any fruit, mm-hmm. hasn't produced very, very little fruit. Yes, yes, yes. So that is a great segue to my question. How is Trek different? And then Reven, you can chime in after after we hear from Dewan. Gotcha. Track um, is different because, as, as Brother Reven highlighted, it's from the bottom up. You know, if you can, if you can envision, you know, the president of the United States, right? Mm-hmm. President of the United States, you know, he, he's great. He's got a lot of power with the pen. You know, he works through a budget with Congress. But ultimately, you know, the real work is being done by agencies, right? Those are the folks, in, 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 you know, under that contract that are on the ground. You know, they're monitoring what's happening in states and in and, and communities and neighborhoods and things of that nature. And so that's really kind of like the model for Trek. We are tied into, you know, our generals who we have. Reven Fellows is one of our generals. Dr. Stanley Howard is another general. Um, Curtis Thompson is another general. And then you already heard about Cyron Smith. He's another general. We have another one as well that's dealing directly with um, who we call our, our, um, our, our, our gang specialist and intervention expert. So we, we have these various generals that are on the ground, that are connected to the people, that is really the foundation, in my opinion, of what Trek is about and who we're trying to serve and support when it comes to workforce development, job placement, and then supporting um, those respective communities around hunger, homelessness, economic development, equity resources. And so, you know, this is a model that doesn't exist anywhere. It just doesn't. And it's not, you know, because all of a sudden, we're smarter than everyone. No, I think what, what we've what we've decided to do with a team of, you know, unique individuals that have very diverse backgrounds and that tend to have a good general understanding of their respective fields and industries. I think it was an understanding to come together to try to make sure we change the narrative 
because, you know, we, we don't want to see another 50 or 60 years go by and folks are still dealing with the same issues. We're still trying to solve the same problems when they can be solved. Some of these problems can be solved. Some problems can't be solved. Do I think that we're going to save everyone in Chicago, you know, that's out here trying to, you know, kill people, hurt people or don't want to do anything with their life? No, we're not going to save all of them because some of them just don't want to be saved. And that's OK. However, for the folks that do want help, do want support, there has to be an avenue and there has to be resources and, and a vessel uh, for those people to come in and get that. So that way they can begin to change the narrative, um, because that's really what what was what it's all about in the end. And so that's one of the things that really or, or say several things that separates Trek um, as a mixed use real estate development that is focused on pure workforce development, skills training and job placement around technology and renewable energies, um, you know, for for the entire county and in other places where we'll be looking to do this as well. OK, and even before I bring you on, um, just in summary, it sounds to me like Trek is doing things. I don't want to say backwards, but just the opposite of the way we really approach development. Also, often I've seen developers just want to do a project, so to speak, and all they care about is who, you know, the renters are going to be in that space. But your approach is, it seems to be, you know, looking at the problems that we have in our community that seem to be, you know, very, very challenging. And then you're using the real estate, not just as this physical improvement, but as a way to uh, program, you know, develop programs and collaboration to actually address issues. And I have not seen organizations do it that way. Yeah, I want to chime in too on that point. You know, we hear a lot about impact and investing, right? We hear that that term quite a bit. Oh, we want to impact invest and investors want to invest, you know, and have an impact. Um, you know, the impact house is obviously one way to do that from just giving out money via philanthropy. But when we want to talk about impact investing, changing people's lives via real estate, but then also supporting businesses, small businesses and entrepreneurs, you know, that's real impact investment. And ultimately that's, that's the makeup of Trek. And I think the difference is with Trek, it's inclusive. It does not um, cut off access if you don't have money, if you don't have position, if your family wasn't born here. You know, that's the difference with Trek versus other, you know, sort of mini workforce development hubs that have been created. If you're not part of those networks, you don't have the access. You know, so I just I just wanted to make sure I highlight that as well. Okay, great. And, and Reven, same question to you. What makes Trek different and your partnership with Trek, you know, what are you guys doing together that's going to be different from most? Well, well, as a young man, David Peterson, that's at the A. Philip Randolph Museum, uh, the first black labor using muse museum in in Roseland, and um, he's a FAMU graduate, young brother doing great work. Uh, he's the youngest president of a museum at that level, and his con his conversations usually me, Coach Fellows, we need proof of concepts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I want to see some proof of some proof of what you're talking about. So I've adopted that word in my spirit, and I've lived proof of concept. And so I think what we're doing different with Trek is we're not talking about when Jesus come. Jesus <laughs> should be coming. He might be getting here. We doing what God, the Most High, has put in place by 
any means necessary against the odds. The National Block Club University, a $12 membership, 26 years without grant funding. That's proof of concept. What Trackers just did, what Dewanim just did, and Brother Israel, they stood up a business downtown where those other people live, where we being gentrified in the black community. We have downtown that you can come down to a physical place where you were able to come to and see where a brother has has two floors and other people working together to impact our community with a collaboration of black and whites working in harmony to see what we can do to change humanity doing George Floyd and all this other systemic racism and equity. We're talking about we have a proof of concept, a black credit union that's tied to this, that they've been there, Greg's been there 26 years. And when Obama and them gave bailouts to the stimulus, that he didn't get any, not one dime and still sustain his integrity without advancing technology. And still he stayed there and still he stayed there. We're talking about when we go to the block, the Bob Biz Center, where Brother Roe and I have been working 25 years. Well, there's nobody you can point to and no chamber you can point to. And if you do, I want to meet them tomorrow. Can they stand up 13 black businesses with three and a half years with no government funding, all black contractors, black investors, and go down 79th Street with a black investment group and open up a brand new uh, beauty supply that's black owned? So we're not talking about what we're going to do. So you can see all the things we're talking about. You can point to them. You can look at them. And then we're holding government accountable. We brought the elect officials to say this is the agenda. Uh, Brother Roe Davis with the Bob, they always say the black elect officials didn't fail us. We failed them by not supporting them economically and having fundraising and not giving them a black agenda that we demand them to do and take care of that's on our own. Like the other ethnic group, they have fundraisers and they raise money for the elect officials doing the work. And at the same time, they give them agenda because I can go back to the Latino caucus when they went down uh, Senator Sandoval, rest in peace. Uh, went down there and say, the Latino women say, we don't want our children to go across gang territory. What you men going to do in the Latino community about that? Well, they went to Springfield and asked for $100 million, $100 million to build 13 new charter schools. And they say, no, nah, we can't give you 100. We give you 98. And they came back. And this is not anti-Latino. This is what people do when you come together that we should be doing, which is a page of our book, is where you should be going to... Uh, they built 13 new charter schools. I looked at them. They got soccer fields. They got their flags up. They got solar energy. And they didn't use not one black contractor, which was our government. So what we're doing, we get with NAMAC, the largest, the oldest black-owned construction company that was founded when Black Panther Party out of, out of um, California. Brother uh, Curtis Thomas, who's been in pyramid. He's been in every layer of government speaking truth to that type of power. So, so what we're doing is un is revolutionized that right now, you know how they say, show me better, you can tell me? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I can show you better, I can tell you. So we're yeah. pointing at these things and then just, just the added flavor, but I'm, I'm bragging, I'm boasting about, this is what we're doing now under COVID-19 conditions, under no economics moving in the black community, being drained with gentrification and still we rise. And so mm -hmm. what makes us really unique, that's better than anybody, is when you get a Valerie Leonard that knows proof of concept, uh, pre and post-testing post on what looks good. So when you bring your masterminds to the table, which I've not seen in Chicago because I'm the one that brought it together from the community, I know it works because it's been working. I've been doing this work for over four years. It's the first time I've ever seen something at this magnitude and that show that God is who he is. 
I hope that answers the question. It does. It does. <laughs> Boy, imagine what you would say if I paid you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. That was totally unsolicited, but totally welcome. Thank you. And um, I know we're a little bit over time, and I thank you guys for your time, but we're going to close with the question for you. In summary, um, if you can share what your lessons learned, which is almost kind of a, a repeat of one of the questions, but I still think it's instructive. What are the lessons learned? And then if you can repeat how people can contact you and if there's any upcoming program that we need to know about you can share that as well um that's what learned. Learned. go ahead Reeve. you take a stab at the lesson learned that's that one right what, what i my, one of the main lessons i've learned we adults don't want to be accountable and held mm -hmm. accountable but want to hold children to accountability is nothing that they know of wow. and so i've committed myself and uh, I don't, uh, people take this the wrong way, but I don't like old people. <laughs> I love elders. I'm looking for elders that pass wisdom, knowledge, and understanding and want the best for our children. Old people block, getting away, and they hate their children in most cases. Yeah, I said it. I said it. I'm 62 and I've seen it. I've saw where young people have been denied, been denied access because the older mindset won't let them move forward and be the greatness. So we're looking for the ancestors of the elders to come and nurture and motivate grandparent, big mama who raised grandchildren, pushed them to do better. We want, but another thing that Dewan and I have imp implemented in what we're doing is we're going to hold elect official and brothers in the streets and everybody accountable. We can't be talking about, I ain't going to say nothing to him. Don't be touched, not my prophet. Well, if he a prophet, we he ain't got to be touched. But if he ain't doing work around the corner with Shakita, Ray Ray, and Junebug, and crime and drug is all around the church, hell, he ain't no prophet. He profiting. <laughs> so now with that being said, my best thing that I do, that I used in my case, if I get involved with you and you ain't doing what you say you're doing, I'll, I'm Facebook live on the ground and tell everybody about yourself. <laughs> and everybody, I ain't perfect. If I'm wrong, I should be corrected. But I usually try to stay on the right side of Geraldine's son. That's my mama, her integrity. <laughs> and so if you say you're doing the work and you're doing it, we want to see you doing it. If not, we're going to come protest you like we do white people when they do wrong. And so we're going to use the block club that does a report card on the police, the not-for-profit, the for-profit, the, the, the stores, the gas station. And we have an annual report card coming out different quarterly to see if that elect official has been doing his work, the pastor doing his work. It's not what we say. It's what the community say. I think that is the accountability that we're going to need for these young people because the more we hold them accountable and we can't point to nothing, it just makes us look like we're not real. So that's been my biggest thing. How do we hold people accountable? And as Brother Mark Carter says, um, don't tell no young man to pull his pants up until you put your pants on. <laughs> All right. I mean he covered a lot there, Valerie. Um, <laughs> you know, what just the challenges. I think, you know, a lot of the challenges that we have, they're they're very they're they're varying, okay? 
Um, one of the challenges that we have is self-accountability and accountability within the home. You know, we have to get back to ensure that that is a foundation of the black community. People have to, you know, hold their own family and their own kids accountable before they leave the home versus automatically being quick to not hold them accountable, but want to hold other people accountable, which goes back to the point that Brother Reva highlighted. I think the other thing is there's just a lot of egos. Um, Everybody wants to get credit. Everybody wants to be seen. And so one of the biggest challenges throughout our community and even with the elected officials is egos. Folks want credit and folks don't want to work together. You know, and it's and it's like regardless of whether you agree on anything or, you know, or, or can't agree on anything. Ultimately, if you truly are about fixing problems and solving problems, then the ego gets removed because the problem is the focus. And so that's something that you know has been a challenge. What we've encountered is that. You know, I was talking to our other partners here this morning and we've encountered people that would be considered um, Judas's, right? Okay. People that go to church, say they're Christians, but they're not. OK. And they look like us. Okay. We have then have also encountered what we consider black colonists, you know, black colonizers, you know, black folks that want to profit off of other black folks, okay. you know. Um, you know, so it's that we have some serious challenges in our community because it's just they come in so many different ways. And that's before you get into what side of town you grew up on, what your parents did, what was your parents challenge, whether your parents were in jail, incarcerated, whether your parents, whatever it is. Like before we even get to those things, we got to deal with like the overarching issues here which strictly deal with accountability, ego and making sure that you truly you know, are about keeping your word and helping people out. You know, we have encountered people that are slanderous because they don't want to see progress. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we've our, our my own character has been attacked by a lot of folks and even some of our other members characters been attacked because they don't want to see progress. They like the system the way it is. You know, people not being aware of what's happening at the government level only allows for elected officials to continue to get away with doing things and being unchecked. You know, so we, there's a lot that we can encounter. There's a lot of challenges that we have encountered. But as Brother Reven said, we're not concerned about any of that stuff. We ain't scared of it. You know, you're, you're dealing with a lot of folks that are really, really hard workers. You're dealing with a lot of folks that are considered, I would say, street brawlers, meaning we don't mind a good fight. Uh, but you're also dealing with a lot of folks that have experience in corporation cultures and, and, and government cultures and leadership cultures and understand how to maneuver through those things. You know, so ultimately, you know, if you really are about who you are, the biggest thing is people being able to keep their word and being able to hold each other accountable is really the starting point and remove egos. That's what it's about, you know, and just because, you know, people are trying to get resources for their community doesn't mean that they are with one group or not with a different group. You know, and that's the type of stuff that we have to get rid of, because ultimately, if someone is trying to get resources, they're trying to help somebody out. Right. You know, most people that truly are about themselves, they're not trying to get resources. So that way they can go home and just eat on these resources and live on. Because at at a certain point, you'll get sick and you'll get spoiled if you try to hold on to a blessing that's not yours for too long. Mm -hmm. And so I'm not really concerned about you know, what the challenges have been, because they're going to be there. And, and it happens. What I'm more excited about and optimistic about is the opportunity ahead of us. I think this is a very rare time where we get these moments, 
you know, in this country where you have corporations, um, you have white America that understands that, you know, some changes need to be made. You know, they need to probably rethink some of their systems on how they move money, how they give money, how they work with black communities. And so it's up it's up to those of us that don't have egos. It's up to those of us that want to do the work. It's up to those of us that have been doing the work to collaborate, come together and 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 really start to change, you know, the narrative and change the outcomes so that way we don't have to worry about having the same conversations around elected officials that aren't doing their job or community folks that aren't, you know, being accountable and self-accountable within their own homes before they step out these homes. Okay. All right. So where can we contact you if we have questions? Say that website. <laughs> so <laughs> the Impact House website is www.thefabric, T-H-E-F-B-R-K.com. So you can go there and get all the information on what, you know, Israel and those folks have been doing down there. The great work that's been happening with those residents. But then at the same time, too, we have the website for Trek that's upcoming, which is www.fbrandsllc.com. That website has a little bit of information on what's to come with Trek. Um, so those are the two sites that you can go to to get a better understanding of the work that we're doing, where we're headed, and being able to reach out to us as well. Okay, awesome. Okay, Reven, where can um, we contact you? Can you hear me? You uh, hear me okay? Yes, sir. Okay. Um, you can reach me at um, revenfellows at yahoo.com, R-E-V-I-N-F-E-L-L-O-W-S at yahoo.com, one word. Or you can also log on to uh, the National Black Agenda Consortium dot org and maybe leave a message, but uh, if you can't give me an email, and so um, that's that's the way you reach me. And uh, thank you, Valerie, for having us. And uh, I want to say one thing before we close out: um, the number one problem in the black community is not gangs and drugs and economics; it's the relationship between the black man and the black woman. Mm -hmm. Once we establish that then everything else starts to eradicate itself. And one thing I like with Fabric is we're trying to rebuild the Black family. Okay. And I misspelled National Black Agenda Consortium. www.nationalblack yep. National Black Agenda Consortium dot org Okay, yeah, I misspelled it. National Black Agenda Consortium. And if by any chance I still misspelled it, spell it to the best of your ability when you do your <laughs> or, they, or they can email me and I'll email them back. <laughs> you know, I did go to Chicago Public Schools. Don't ask me. <laughs> Definitely want to make sure we we give a special shout out to you, Valerie. Um, yes, you've been you've been in the trenches. You've been doing a lot of work, um, supporting and helping out organizations, um, churches, and people. And so, you know, we. That legacy of work that you've been doing um, and making sure that you continue to get your rightful due 
in place um, in this in this city uh, for the work that you've been doing. So we appreciate you and all the work that you've been doing for years. And we're just looking forward to working with you and partnering with you as well. And, and Valerie, Valerie has see what you talked about. What makes us real different? Valerie has the cheat sheet on who ain't been getting money, who needs money, and getting ready for money. So we got a cheat sheet. Yes, yes, yes. We, we Santa Claus. We, we got to listen. We check his place. Hey, my my mentor once told me. Uh, with my I have a museum in Aurora and in New Orleans, it's the National Black, I mean, African American Heritage Museum and Black Veterans Archives, founded by Dr. Smith. He's one of the top folk artists, museum uh, artists, but he has a museum folk art well recognizing 7,246 African American men and women who fought and died in Vietnam. Dr. Charles Smith, I'm a co founder. We're the only black museum that recognized those guys and women. But I said, man, how are we going to be in a yard with all this? artwork and 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 win and beat it with all these other museums he said how are you gonna lose when you're the only horse in the race <laughs> I, love it. I love it all right and on that note i'm, I'm gonna we're doing our baptist clothes this is the third time we say oh god <laughs> yeah that's because we enjoy your company and do it the church <laughs> Conversation, and, you know, from time to time, just give up, you know, give us status before. Mm -hmm. that. We can do that. Hey, Val, can I ask a question, Valerie? Yes. Uh, Dewan, you tell me if I'm in the right place. Why don't we hold a conversation like Rep. Ford did today with the grant grant people getting ready for grants? Why don't you do a town hall and let's hear what non-for-profits are saying in this stage of the game and we can hear them out and we can use that as a survey to how to address those issues on barriers that they have and that we may not because you know i know you know but there's a group down there that we haven't heard from that has solutions so maybe we could do something on a level with with fabric impact we say hey tell us what you're experiencing it gives you some data and remember, we're collecting data for proof of concepts. Oh, I love it. So this will be jointly sponsored by the three groups assembled and, you know, and others as you see fit. Yes. Uh, well, with you, Fabric House, with your team of and, and we'll move and I'll use the black agenda. But we'll say that what we're doing is we want to hear from the people on what are the barriers that you're having that we may not know of. So mm -hmm. we're planning to give out money. We know how to set up the new application. We know the barriers to address individually and resource. So I think that'll be a good draw. And then Dewan can really get a, uh, we can get a really good assess on how Fabric can change its narrative to fit anything that needs to be dealt with. I love it. I love it. Problem and solution. Mm -hmm. How are you going to do that when? Uh, Dewan, uh, what you think of Dewan? You, you, you know, I, I'm, I don't do math and time. I do people. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would say probably sometime um, in September after we kind of handle some of these deadlines. Okay. I think that's that appropriate. I think that's a good idea. Definitely to hear from the people. Um, so that way we have input as we go into um, how things need to be constructed from, from a programming side of things for sure. Okay. Awesome. And that could be, we can name it. You're going, they're going back to school in September. We're going back to 
back to back to business and not for profit after COVID nineteen. Back to business. Yeah. <laughs> I, I like it. I like. All right. Well, let us know. We we hear whatever you need, and we thank you for the platform and whatever we could do to support you. We're here. All right. Thank you. And we I we can start promoting it now, but you know, with the realization mm -hmm. that you can't really start really working until September. All Excellent. Right. Thank you guys so much. I, I really appreciate it. And for those of you who are still with us, um, you can get access to this video within about a minute or so. It'll be on YouTube. All right. And then we ask you to like and share. All right. You guys take care. All right. Peace and blessing. Thank you, everyone. Same to you.